Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. edition of gtf gabriel talks football my name is aldo gandia and it is good to be back here in the saddle after taking a few days off to attend our barroom show host and barflies party over at king's entertainment in rosemount we had a fantastic time the there are only two things that would have made the weekend better is if greg gabriel could have made it to our show and of course if the bears would have pulled out that win uh but nonetheless it is good to be back here and it is good to talk football with my man Greg Gabriel. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good, Greg. And I got to tell you, one of the highlights of this weekend, and I had a fabulous, fabulous weekend, but I'm walking, the game is over. I'm walking out of the stadium and a lovely lady with beautiful blue eyes, very, very attractive lady says, hey, is your name Aldo? And I go, yes, I am. You do a podcast with Greg Gabriel. And I go, yes. And she goes, I love your show. Please tell Greg that I love your show. (laughs) I listen to all sorts of podcasts and I stop listening to them because it's always middle-aged men whining about the bears. You guys don't whine. So clearly she doesn't listen to me. She listens to you. (laughs) I've, I've, I've helped walk you through that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> you taught me a lot. <laughs> so uh, before we start talking about the Chicago Bears, I need to get your thoughts on what has happened over at the with the Indianapolis Colts. Your good friend, Greg Ballard, had to fire. Chris Ballard. Don't don't call him Greg. I'm Greg. <laughs> that, I'm hitting 90 percent on that, calling him Greg Ballard. I don't know why I do that. But anyway, Chris Ballard had to fire his head coach. Uh, your thoughts on what's going on. Uh, over at Indianapolis with the Colts? Well, I got a lot of thoughts. First of all, I have not spoken to Chris. Mm -hmm. I have exchanged quite a few text messages. Um, You know, yesterday, and I'm, you know, it wouldn't be right for me to to say exactly. There's one thing I'll I'll read verbatim, but it wouldn't be right for me to say exactly you know, what went on back and forth, but it, you know, because it should be kept private, but at at the same time, uh, you know, I I don't know if it was all Chris that, uh, and he didn't tell me, uh, you know, that, that pushed Frank out the door. I know Chris felt was very close to Frank. I guess that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt highly of him as a person and as a coach. Um, he did say, I said, I feel for you, brother. This that had to be tough. And he said, it's the hardest thing I ever done in his whole life. So, but I, I you know what, something had to be done now. And, and, and they both got extensions not too long ago. Right. Chris's, Chris's, I think, goes through 2026. Um, but 
you know, you, you can't believe everything you read, but some of the Indianapolis writers are saying that, uh, you know, Wright may have lost the locker room. I don't know if that's true. And I'm not going to ask. Like I said, you know, there, there's certain things that you, um, when you're talking to friends, texting with friends or whatever, there's mm. certain things you know when to ask or how to ask. Sure. And, and there's others you just leave it alone for another day. Right. You know, because there's a lot of personal feelings involved with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've been in, in the building when people have gotten fired, people that are, are uh, close to me, you know, Ron Rivera, Harry Heastan, you know, <laughs> it's not fun. It's like a knife going through you. Yeah. And so all that being said, um, I think something had to be done. There's all the speculation that Chris is going to get fired. He's not going to get fired. That's not happening. That's good. To um, hear. The we'll put it this way: it'd be a shock to him and a shock to a lot of people if he was. Uh, and and he'd be on about a four-year paid vacation. I wouldn't mind that. Um, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, but he he knows he has to get it right. And here's the problem he had. And it's nobody's fault. Go back to summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. So going into the 2019 season, he's three weeks into training camp and his quarterback retires. Unbelievable. Who's not only just a you know good quarterback, he's one of the premier quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And now at that point, where are you going to get a quarterback and in, in, in the middle of August? Besides nowhere. And, and you know what's funny is I went, I spent two days at the Colts camp because I was working for the XFL. So I had to go to about five different training camps. Mm-hmm. And we had a, you know, we were a good communist society in the XFL. We had to share our information with the, <laughs> with the other teams because, you know, there just wasn't enough people to go around. So I, you know, I went to, Chicago's camp, Indianapolis camp, uh, went to the, uh, at that time, the Redskins camp, um, and a few other, Philadelphia, New York Giants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had to share our information with the other teams. But anyway, Frank was not practicing when I was there. And at the time, not Frank, uh, Luck, Oliver. Andrew Luck. Luck. And Andrew Luck was not practicing at the time. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was, well, a couple of days off and he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of days off and he retired, you know, and it just, and then it was like, you know, they had a feeling within the building that they were in their window to compete. So it was, we need an established quarterback. We don't want to go out and get a young guy and, and wait. And so they go with Jacoby Brissett that year, and then they bring in Philip Rivers. Right. Um, and Rivers actually played pretty good. Did. But he knew that he was, you know, that was it. It was a one-and-done deal. Then they went and got Wentz, which turned out bad. Uh, and, but they went, and, and maybe this has something to do with what happened yesterday. They went with Wentz on Frank's feeling. Frank had coached Wentz in, in Philadelphia, and you know he was quarterback coach. And 
had worked with him for a few years. So he's the guy who thought it could work. Well, reality is, and I did not get this from, from Ballard. I've gotten from other people that have, have, have worked with Wentz. And that is, he's very difficult to coach. He's very stubborn. And he's not a leader. Well, how are you supposed to win with that? How about that? And, and, and then, you know, last year at the end of the season, Jimmy Ursay, the owner, didn't want him. I mean, he came flat out said it. Right. He's out of here. You know, so he, he, you know, he couldn't get him out the door fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hindsight being 2020, maybe they should have because they built a win-now team. That team was right. ready to win. They were just missing the quarterback. And hindsight being 2020, maybe they should have traded some of those assets to maybe move up in the draft and develop a quarterback and 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 just restart. It, it's a always difficult decision, but Ballard has been really forthright with the media in Indianapolis talking about how difficult and challenging it is to acquire a quality quarterback. And he wasn't going to pick anyone in the draft that was just going to be a Band-Aid or just to placate fans and media and so forth. He was going to pick the best player that was a value. I lost you there, Aldo. I'm back. (laughs) <laughs> ah, what happened? I lost you for a minute. I've got a new trackpad and it's very, very sensitive. I'll put it on my, uh, I'll put my finger on it and all of a sudden things happen. So I got to readjust the trackpad. Okay. Okay. Well, no, you're, you're right about that. And, you know, they tried to react to the situation as it pertained to the roster mm-hmm. and it just, it, it didn't work out that way. Um, not the first time that's going to happen to somebody in, in, in the NFL. And, and it sure as hell not going to be the last time. It, that, that stuff happens. Uh, I, I will share one thing that, that Chris said in a text here. Um, you know, I, I, I told him, you know, I felt bad because of all the heat he's taken and stuff. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and I said, what really makes me feel bad is that I know you can handle it because that, you know, comes with the territory, right? It, it's your family has to put up with it. You know, he's got kids in high school in Indianapolis is his uh, oldest son is a uh, pretty damn good quarterback and pitcher, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and one of the uh, Indianapolis suburban schools. But anyway, he said, he said, my family handles it well, so do I. He says, I only care about, now this is important. He says, I only care about what's going on internally. I can't control the outside world. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he just flushes it. And um, there was other stuff he said, but I just, you know, I want to leave it as right. it is. But you know, he, he knows he has to get a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I would think that this offseason that he's going to have to either lucky enough to be sitting in a position where he can draft one uh, or he's going to have to move up to get one, depending on what their final record is. Um, and there's, there's some 
potentially good ones in this draft. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's closer to the Justin Fields draft than last year's draft, you know, as far as quality of the talent. So, um, but he's going to be around there for a while. And, and if he gets a young quarterback and the guy starts to develop, then, uh, you know, that could um, change everything for him, yeah. so to speak, and, and turn the franchise around. But it also, in most cases, it didn't happen with, with uh, Ryan Pace, but in most cases, when you draft a quarterback real high, it buys you some time. Right. Well, uh, good luck to Chris. Uh, by all accounts, he's a very good man, and, um, and so we wish him nothing but the best here at the barroom. All right, let's get to the topic of the Chicago Bears, an extraordinary game against the Miami Dolphins. One thing is clear is that Justin Fields is no longer a question mark. It is now the only question remaining about Justin Fields is when is he going? How high is the ceiling for him is probably probably uh, the the topic to discuss. What were your thoughts about his play in particular? And then we'll get into all of the other, you know, issues regarding the game because there's plenty of them. But I, I'd love to hear your thoughts first on Justin Fields' development. Well, number one, I agree with you. He, he is growing. The last three weeks has been the best three weeks to, that he's put together, like back to back to back, since he's been a pro. Um Part of that is, now let's back up a little bit. This is in three years. And, and actually, Trent Green, I think, was the, uh, the analyst on uh, Sunday, and he mentioned it. This is the third offense he's been in three years. He's at the Ohio State, and, and actually the fourth or the third in four years, total or fifth and no, how is it? Fourth, he's at uh, Georgia. Georgia's years. offense for for a year. Then he's at Ohio State for two years mm-hmm. in another offense. So that's two. Then he's at Nagy's offense for uh, for his rookie year. Now he's in another offense. Mm-hmm. Now I don't give a damn who you are. That's hard to do. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You know, so and and he played. We could put on the tape, but his play at Ohio State especially that second year at Ohio State, was just fantastic. I mean, this touchdown-to-interception ratio was great. Totally outplayed Trevor Lawrence in the, in the college playoff game. Even after he, you know, almost broke his ribs on that one hit that everybody remembers. Uh, but where you thought he could be a good drop-back passer in the NFL level, that has not come to fruition yet. You know, he's more of a improvised type guy who makes plays with his feet, uh, extends plays with his feet, uh, plays better with a half field, even though he's getting better with the whole field, you know, doing the reads. But it gets down to learning the scheme, understanding the scheme, but it's not just him. His receivers got to be on the same page with him. And we've talked about this before. You know, you, th- th- there's so many adjustments, site adjustments that you got to make depending on what the defense is doing that to get everybody on the same page, it's not going to happen in six weeks of training camp and, and a couple, you know, it might take the full season. But we've seen in the last three weeks that it's getting better and it should continue to get better. 
Now, does that mean he's not? He could have a bad game and throw three picks two weeks down the road. Sure, sure that could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that happens to everybody. But you got to look at the arrow pointing up, um, and and what I hate seeing. You know, you, you love Twitter, but I hate seeing some of the comments on Twitter is that people only want to give players like they make a mistake in, in one game and they want to cut them. Mm-hmm. And that's not how you evaluate a player, yeah. especially a young player. You know, you, you got to look at the, at the whole season from beginning to end. And it's not just how he performs on, on the field and on game day. It's what's he doing in practice? What's he doing in the classroom? What's he doing in the weight room? How's he living his life? There's all sorts of different portions uh, of his life that, that you want to evaluate. And you're always looking for the arrow going up. In other words, he's climbing the steps. Right. And there's going to be a time when he's going to, uh, climb the steps and he's going to hit a plateau. And at that point, it's does he stay there or does he start climbing the steps again? Mm-hmm. And if he stays there, then you said he's reached the ceiling. There you go. Okay. And if he starts climbing, then you know that there's, there's still more to get or they go the other way start going backwards yeah. and then it's time to get rid of those guys. So, and, and it's difficult to see. And, and, and from us who are, are on the outside looking in, it's really easy to say, Oh, you got to cut this guy. Like I've read this stuff, like Bayless Jones isn't going to see the, see the field the rest of the season. How much you want to bet? I'll make that bet every day of the week that he's going to be probably be active this week. You know, it, it's, they got a third round pick invested in them. There, it, it, it's it, it's similar to the Tevin Jenkins thing, but I think with Tevin it was more maturity. It's he's a rookie, and he has to feel comfortable. He's pressing right now because he's made some mistakes. He had a you know a two muff punts, a drop pass. You know, do you think he's happy with that? Hell no. That's that that's eating him up inside. So now he's got to get confidence. Right. And uh, we said the same thing about Justin Field. He's got to come out and have some confidence at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And then that'll translate to, to bigger plays at the end of the game. And that's exactly what has happened with him. So I think with Bayless, you know, they're not going to give up on Bayless. I think as a whole, and I wrote about this, uh, this morning, I don't know if they put it up yet for Windy City Gridiron, you know, about the rook- the overall look at the rookie class. This, I think it's a hell of a rookie class. When you, you get that many rookies as they have this year and without a first-round pick that, that are contributing and or starting as rookies, that's incredible. It is amazing, yes. Okay, so now, yeah. I, I checked right before we came on. I, I checked the roster. How about this? Between the regular roster, the 53, the practice squad, and an injured reserve, the, the center, there's one guy in injured reserve. There's 23 rookies on this team. Wow. I didn't realize it was that much. I mean, that, that includes the practice squad. Um, and I, I've never seen that many 
on a team. And I've been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think, you know, people say, okay, we got to go into the, we, we got to fix the offensive line and the defensive line in the off season. I'm not so sure you got to fix the offensive line, maybe one position. And I'll tell you why, because first of all, in the evaluation process, they're going to go game one to game 17, mm-hmm. not game one to game eight or game nine, whatever game we just played. And it's, you know, what's going on? Patrick was signed to a contract to be the starting center. He's played what a quarter at center. Right. You know, a guy's been very durable throughout his career and he's, and he's just hit a bit of bad luck here. I think when he's ready to come off IR, he'll go back to the starting uh, center position um, and Tony, the pod boss just puts Riley Reese been very solid. He has been, uh, and here's, I, I think that's the only position where you could see change next year is at that right tackle position. They got to make a s- decision. Riley Reeves going to be 33 next year. I think, I think he's 32 now. And do you bring him back? Do you let Larry Borum is Larry Borum good enough or is Larry Borum a backup? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or do we got to go out and get one? And that, that'll be one of the off season um, situations that are discussed. So then it's, it's on to, okay, do we do it in free agency or do we draft one? Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think, you know, looking at, at how, uh, Ryan Pohl spends money, you know, he's not going to go out. He's not going to overspend for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he showed you that in the off season with the wide receiver market. When, when the guy from Arizona gets all that money from uh, uh, Jacksonville, which was totally out of line and screwed up the wide receiver market. Totally. You know, he, he, he didn't follow suit. he, Stayed, stayed with the cards he had, which is what the right thing to do was. He, it's just the whole thing's going to be interesting because you've got other guys like in the offensive line. You got uh, Carter and, yeah, and the kid from San Diego State, Zach Thomas. You know, these guys got a chance to be decent players. They are, and, and, and I'll go back to, and I've I mentioned this on the show before, and I, I wrote about it in Windy City this morning. I had a conversation with the great Marv Levy, Hall of Fame coach. This was in the Atlanta airport years and years ago because I, you know, I was living in Buffalo when I worked for the Giants. And so we were on our way back from the Senior Bowl. We had a layover in Atlanta. You took a flight from Mobile to Atlanta, then Atlanta to Buffalo. So we're setting the planes delayed on our flight from Atlanta to uh, Buffalo. So, you know, Marvin and I are talking and great guy, by the way, just a superb guy who lives downtown Chicago. And, you know, we get, got talking about the draft and, and rookies and stuff. And he said, Greg, he said, you got to let rookies be rookies. Yes. He said, I expect nothing out of a rookie. If I get something out of a rookie, it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. He said, what I expect is for them to contribute in year two. There you go. And yeah. so that being said, then it's, you know, what's going to happen 
to these guys, to Zach, to Jay Tyree, you know, all these people, what are they going to do? And then there's Leatherwood who, who comes into the equation too. Are, are, are these guys worthy players to be starters? And you know, we know when you're going to get the answer. You're going to get the answer next summer in training camp unless they go out and sign somebody. And I can say, I can see him signing a right tackle, maybe. And that's if they say, you know, I'm not going to pay Reef any more money. He's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 in December, by the way. Okay, 34 years old. So I'm not going to pay him any money because he, that, 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 that's a Band-Aid. And you want to, when you're building a roster, you want to do it in such a way that, that you can continue to grow. Well, it, it, by trying to sign Riley Reef, you're really hurting the growth of, it, of a young player. Right. Or, if, or if you can get a 28, 29-year-old vet who is out there um, that may be a, you know, a better fit and you can get it at a reasonable price, you know, not, you know, if you can get them for the, the money that you got reef for throw out, you know, reefs contract was 3 million plus incentives. Right. So, th- but you know, say that the incentives were the, the regular price. So you got, you know, 12, 13, 14, $15 million you can get a, a, a real viable right tackle, then yeah, go ahead and do it. Unless you think one of your guys, young guys, after coaching them for a year, even though they're on the practice squad or whatever, unless you think, you know what, that guy's the answer. I've seen him all year in practice. I know what he can do. So let's go with him. You know, somebody mentioned Leatherwood. I do not think Leatherwood's a tackle. I think he's a guard. Um, he failed miserably. Now, I, I, you know, I could be wrong, but he failed miserably at right tackle with the Raiders. And part of it, I think, is he's never, play, you know, there's some people that get stuck or have to play one position. And he has played on the left side his whole career in college at Alabama. Right. And then he comes into the pros and he's on the right side. You know, he's doing everything different. He didn't adapt to it well. You know, so I think if you put him at left tackle or left guard, he's going to be fine. But I'm not moving Jones out of that left tackle position. I think I don't think Jones is going to be good. I think Jones is going to be real good. I love it. And and he gets better every week. Of course, some guys are, you know, taking him to task every once in a while. Some of the better pass rushers. But you know what? He's faced some pretty good guys the last couple of weeks and more than held his own. Mm-hmm. And did Chubb get a sack the other day? Now, granted, it's his first week with with uh, uh, Miami, but rushing the passer is rushing the passer. Yep. You know, on, on third and long. And I, if I'm correct, they only gave up one sack, I think, on, on Sunday. Yeah, I think you're but, right. You know, and and – you know, when he plays against Parsons the week before, he did pretty damn good against that guy. You know, so the arrow is definitely going up with him. That, that guy was a steal. And I'll keep going back to, to why. It's because he played at a low, you know, FCS level school. And, you know, he didn't have great coaching. People didn't know exactly what they were buying. So they were leery. So you get them. Talent-wise, he should have gone in the third round. 
but because of all the circumstances, he goes in the fifth. Mm-hmm. One of the things about uh, Matt Eberflus's press conference yesterday that um, I-, I wanted to share. I did not hear that. I wanted to do it last night, and I couldn't because we have some stuff going on. He, yeah, he didn't have a lot of new things to say uh, uh, in comparison to what he said Sunday after the game. But I, I pulled a couple of things out, and, and this one really uh, I thought was special because we, we always talk about, boy, are they holding these guys accountable? And so Flus shared the process for addressing player performance uh, at Hallis Hall. And, and the guys uh, are always good in those meetings. You know, some of those are hard conversations. You know, when guys don't perform well uh, at certain positions, uh, which is the case every week, you know, there's certain positions or a certain guy doesn't do as well as he'd like to of, it's a hard day for him. You know, he's got to go back and look at it and he's got to say, hey, this is where it is. I have to get better. Uh, it doesn't matter if that's quarterback, if it's uh, offensive line, receiver, uh, corner, linebacker, whatever that is. You have to look at it and look at it with a critical eye and say, hey, how can I improve? Um, and I, I was appealing to the team today is that we have to have, when we come in here as a team and say, hey, who had a B plus or better performance? We have to have more hands raise up. You know, and when we do that collectively as a team, um, then we're playing complimentary football together. You know, offense, defense, and kicking at the same time. I love that process, and I love the transparency and honesty of Matt Eberflus in addressing that because fans are always saying, well, why don't they do something? They are doing something. They're talking about it. Let me tell you something. I've sat in those Monday meetings. Uh-huh. They aren't fun, especially <laughs> when, you know, when you lost. Yeah. You know, and, and it depends on, on who your position coach is whether you get ripped or you get taught or, or, or whatever, but you know, you got to look in the mirror every, every Monday, you got to take a, a close look in the mirror mm-hmm. and, and find out exactly what you're seeing. And, and you've got to um, be accountable to yourself. Not only do you got to be accountable to, to the coaches and to, and to the franchise, you got to be accountable to yourself. You got to be, fair to yourself and saying, Hey, you know, I, I screwed up here and this is where I got to get better. You know, like EQ has that drop on that play. He should never have dropped that ball. Okay. But he did. Okay. Then you can get into the, the, uh, the two interference calls on the bears, which I thought were atrocious. And then the non call on Claypool, which was even worse. I mean, that he was literally getting the, uh, uh, looked like they were doing a Heimlich maneuver with him or something, you know? Exactly, or something X-rated. <laughs> yeah, you know, so um, I like that X-rated one. They, uh, he, 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 they didn't call it, you know, so, but there's nothing you can do about it. I, I, I tweeted out during the game, yeah, you're going to get a letter from the league on Wednesday saying, yeah, we made a mistake, that should have been a call. Big fucking deal. Doesn't change the outcome of the game. And, I, you know, I tweeted this, too. It didn't mean the Bears were going to win the game. Mm-hmm. It would have given them the opportunity to, at worst, tie the game up. That's at the 21-yard line. Yep. With still a lot of time to go. Yep. So maybe they score and win. At worst, they kick a field goal, got an opportunity to kick a field goal, and go into overtime. And then, But, but it took away the opportunity – for them to win the game or, you know, and, and that's, 
that's what's too bad about it. And that's what's, you know, deflating to the players. Um, as much as you want to criticize the defense for how poorly they played most of that game in the fourth quarter, they stepped up and played. Yeah. When they, they made stops when they had to make stops. So I, I you know, you, you got to look at that too, as part of the evaluation process when you're reviewing a game. Yeah. And getting back to this call, the field judge, uh, number 25, uh, Ryan Dixon, uh, this year he has been calling according to pro football reference. He's been calling more penalties on home teams than on visiting teams. And he called three penalties on in Sunday's game. One was a pass interference on Kayon Chasen, uh, who pass interfered against Clay, Clay, Chase Claypool early in the game. And then he followed that up with the pass interference call on Eddie or Kendall Vildor, which was a legit call. We saw that replay earlier. And then uh, the Eddie Jackson call, which was not pass interference, in my opinion. And then this non-call I think this uh, Ryan Dixon needs to be evaluated uh, by the NFL. Well, they do. They, they do, Aldo. They, they, get, they get graded on every game just like the players do. The only thing I, I, I think fans would like to see it public. Yes. You know, that's never going to happen. But those guys make a lot of money now, and it's a part-time job for them. I know that's what bugs me about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, they get some of them make hundreds of, you know, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year for ref and game seventeen weeks a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and and but if you look, most of these guys have pretty damn good jobs to begin with. Well, yeah, bank managers, professors at university, financial advisors. Yeah, they attorneys. they do. several attorneys. Yes. Iberflus uh, was asked about that and whether they were going to turn it in. His, here's a short response he had. We do. Every single week we turn in certain things that we think are, are good calls. Uh, a lot of times we turn in, you know, because there's obviously a lot of good calls that people don't talk about, you know, um, and the referees do a good job with that. And, again, sometimes we say, hey, the, these are the ones that we disagree with. And then we get feedback from them and, and try to learn. King Pookie Nation in the chat room said that you, or I think it was Chris Watts, uh, said that you are very diplomatic, Greg. How about that for diplomacy, <laughs> Matt Eberflus, commending the referees when the topic was how poorly they uh, uh, executed that? Uh, no, I, you know, actually, I'll, I'll tell you, there's not a thing that he says that I disagree with. About and I'm not, it's not, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon here. No, he is. He's an old-fashioned ball coach. And, and you got to like that. Mm-hmm. He's doing what he wants to do. He wants to coach football. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it the way he wants to do it. And he tries to be as transparent or as honest as he can with the media, but still staying within the limits. In other words, he's not going to give out information he's not supposed to give out. Mm-hmm. All right, we need to talk about this defense. I was at the game, and it was one of the more frustrating experiences that I had. It just seemed like wide receivers for the Dolphins were always open in that intermediate area between the linebackers and the defensive backs. It's really hard uh, to witness that, particularly after the loss of uh, Roquan Smith. So I got to ask, did Roquan's uh, departure make a difference in this game? Well, it didn't make a, a big difference in the in the coverage aspect. Okay. Even though I think Roquan is a pretty good 
coverage linebacker. Yeah. Uh, let's look at who they're playing against. <laughs> okay. Tyree Kill is the fastest man in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an excellent receiver. I, I can go back to the the um, the Bills Kansas City Chiefs playoff game, and the Bills score with 13 minutes left to go up by two, I think. And there's only 13 seconds left in the game. And that little son of a bitch made two plays in that 13 seconds. They got the Chiefs to victory. You know, going <laughs> I mean, he does it again. And, and Buffalo last year had the number one defense in the NFL, I think, or number two. They were, you know, up near the top. Right. And, you know, he does it against everybody. He's very fast. Both guys are very, very fast. So, and you got, the, when you look at the Bears secondary, it's not that they're not talented, it's they're young. You know, your most experienced guy, okay, Eddie Jackson, and, and then your most experienced corner is, is Jalen. He's only in his third year. Vildor goes out early in the game with an injury. So now they have to take Kyler, who's been playing strictly the slot, put him outside when he's better off inside. And I think that loads up because they're really two separate positions. So now you got the kid, you know, his head swimming a little bit. And trust me, I'm not making excuses. Just telling you, I know how, what goes on in these kids' mind when they're being asked to do a lot. So you get against some players like Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. And the first thing you're thinking is, I can't get beat over the top. So you're, you're naturally playing to protect against the deep ball. And at the same time, what does that do? That opens up underneath and gives these guys who are rare athletes the opportunity to make plays after the catch. Mm-hmm. Again, I've seen Tyreek Hill so many times over the years when he turns an eight or nine yard reception into a 60 yard reception. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's like a bullet with it uh, when he gets the ball in his hand. So, um, and the key to that was that really you, you can blame the secondary all you want, but to me, the key was lack of pass rush. Because Tua had the time, oh my goodness, the opportunity to make the throws. You know, he got pressured a few times, and I thought in the second half that Jones played a lot better, but mm-hmm. they still weren't getting help from the outside. Okay, and who have you lost? Quinn. Well, you know, people say, oh, Quinn only had one sack. Yeah, but Quinn was getting double teamed almost all the time. You look at the stat, how many times he's got double teamed during the course of the year. He's the fourth most double teamed player in the league before that trade. And so that allowed other guys the freedom to win one-on-one battles and, and get the pressure or the sack. They don't have that right now. you got some young players that have an opportunity to become that, but they're not that they're not there now. So you got, you know, I, I, I think two of the biggest needs going into next year, whether it's free agency or the draft is one inside guy and one edge guy. Thank you. 
I, I know fans are going to be upset because they want a wide, uh, top-notch wide receiver from this draft. You know what? I don't think – I the, well, some of these guys are on one-year contracts, so they got to determine who they want to bring back. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody said we got to use one of those high picks on a wide receiver. They did last week. The number two – they just used the number two pick to draft a wide receiver last week. Next deal has been done. Thank you. Okay, so – and he has made the wide receiver room that much better. There's some other guys. Hey, they've been hurt. Pringle's been hurt. Okay, Valus hasn't stepped up. I think eventually he will. And then you're going to be happy. Do I think they will bring in another receiver? They might draft one. It's not going to be. I'll say it right now. It won't be on day one and it won't be on day two. It'll be day three. And you can get the receiving class is so deep. <laughs> that you can get it just like last year. Mm-hmm. It's so deep that in the fourth or fifth round, you're going to get a hell of a football player that 10 years ago might've gone in the second round. Mm-hmm. And it, and part of it is because, you know, you, you started the analytics of a draft and how many receivers go in the first, how many go in the second, how many go in the third, how many are off the board total through the first three rounds. Yep. And you take the average and you figure it out. And you say, okay, I got, I got 19 receivers with first, second, and third round grades, and the average number. And I'm just throwing, you know, dart at the wall here. Right. Uh, you know, and I've got, and the average is 14 that come off the board. So that means when I get into the fourth round, and I'm picking high in the fourth round, I'm going to get a guy that you know, rated as a third rounder, maybe a second rounder on my board that can step in and play. That's just the way that we, I did when, when I was with the bears, we did this with every single position. You know exactly where you could get guys because of the, of the averages and how things came off in previous drafts. Yep. It's a very, very good point. I totally expect that they, the, the biggest need is edge and three tech and not in that order. Uh, and I don't even, and, and I'll be honest with you. I like Jones better now. than I did at the beginning of the year. Okay. He's starting to come a lot, but would he be better off at the other p- position and make that even better? Mm-hmm. You know, at, at, at the one technique, um, Somebody says here, draft needs corner. I don't think they need any corners. I agree. They, with need, they need those corners to mature. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and that goes back to to what I said before. You you want them to be finished products. You've got there's been three or four rookies that have played extensively in in the secondary mm-hmm. this year. Well, you got to expect them to play like rookies. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to get you beat. The important thing is they're learning how to play. Homer Cuts, even before the show began, uh, posted this. Ogan Joby is playing. What's up with the, that medical call? Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on the fact that Ogan Joby, who has been playing fairly well for the Pittsburgh Steelers, well, he, got, he didn't get hurt. Now he, he hurt his back or something, right? Um, you, do I know the the people who made the call on that? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, do I know the answer? No, but I know it was a list Frank thing that probably was in that gray area where, you know, the contract 
was a three-year, $40 million deal. You know, it wasn't a couple pennies. And at three years, $40 million, the dude better be right. Right. And so, and if the doctors say, hey, this guy might not, he's not going to make it two years. Mm-hmm. You know, little, and, and that's what happens. Sometimes you're not just looking at this year. Because I've, I've sat in those, those meetings and, and with these same doctors. And, you know, I'll give you an example. I won't use names, but we get to a player and I remember there's a linebacker. And there was some questions about his medical. And there were, there's two different orthopedics in the room. I'm not going to mention their names, but, you know, Jerry goes, well, how bad is it? And the doctor, first thing the doctor goes is, how good is he? <laughs> and, and Jerry says, he could go in the first or second round. He goes, well, I, doctor, it comes back. He goes, well, I don't know what first or second round means contractually, but, you know, give me an example. He goes, he won't make it out of his first contract. You know, he said, Jerry says like four or five year deal. And, and he said, he won't make it out of his first contract. That's a great And so, story. okay, so now you're wasting money. Exactly. Okay. Could he be real good for, for two years? Maybe. But that thing's going to wear. And then you set in, you know, let's say you get into a knee situation. Mm-hmm. And the one thing they hate is arthritic conditions. Okay, you've had a previous surgery, maybe two surgeries, and you're good. On tape, you look great. But now you do the, the MRI, and you see there's these arthritic conditions in, in the player's knee. And the one thing, there's no cure for arthritis. Okay, It never gets any better. It only gets worse. So they tell you, okay, you're going to get two years out of him, two and a half years out of him. Then he's going to start missing a lot of practice. Then he's going to not practice at all, you know, and you're going to get into situation. And, and now you can go, uh, okay, who's a player like that from the last couple of years that practice sometimes once a week or no, at, or not at all during the week, Khalil Mack. There you go. Because of, of, of injuries. Now, does that, now you, you figure into that how much money you're paying this guy. And remember what I've always said. If you're paying a guy $20 million, you've got to get $20 million back in, in production. And, you know, so these are complicated things. So, you know, you can sit and say, well, Ogunjobi's playing good. Well, Ogunjobi had like seven or eight sacks last year. I think he's got one or one and a half this year. So don't tell me he, he might be stopping the run but the bears wanted him to be an interior pass rusher as a three technique. Todd Gurley is a good example of that, right? Uh, according to Mike Gibson. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I don't know what Gurley, I know he had a, you know, that serious injury when he was at Georgia, but, and I don't remember what his medical was, but Hey, I know I've, I've gone into those medical meetings and we've had players. We love on tape that we've had to take off the board because they didn't pass the medical and some of them played in the league, but most of them, 
I, I'm going to say 85 to 90 percent of the time, the doctors were right. And that, yeah, you, you got a couple good years out of them. And then all of a sudden they fall off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's to me, the aggravating thing is that I wish these physicals could be uh, uh, done before there's even any announcement that there has been an agreement to a contract and so forth, because it's, it's just so disappointing when something like that falls through. And even Ryan Pose himself said that they probably missed out on a player or two they would have gone after uh, because they were waiting results on the physical. So uh, something should be done to help expedite that or the timing of that. Well, you know what? If And I may be wrong on, on my timetable on this, but you go back and you look. I think they came to an agreement with Ogan Joby the first day, first or second day of the negotiating period. That's how I recall it. Yeah. And not actual free agency where, you know, you can start negotiating on Sunday at noon and free agency doesn't open up until Wednesday at noon type thing. So you make a deal on Sunday or Monday and you announce, you know, that comes out and then, it, it's not until the opening day of free agency that it can actually have the medical. So you think you got a player and you've wasted two days. Mm-hmm. Now, when they did it in, in fairness to the bears, when it did um, come out that he failed the physical, they had Jones signed within 12 hours. And Jones was actually getting out of place at the airport, getting out of plane to go from San Diego to um, the Colts mm-hmm. and they talked him into coming here because they thought it was a better opportunity. I got some great questions. I want to make sure we get to uh, because I know you've got an appointment this afternoon. So uh, first of all, Dented Fender asks, uh, how did Jack Sanborn do in his debut at the linebacker position against the uh, Dolphins on Sunday? I haven't reviewed the game to answer that question. I know he had, six or seven tackles, something like that, which is good. But there was a lot of plays just looking at the game, the initial time where that middle of that field was wide open. And so, you know, you really had had two new players in there. You you moved the one guy over to the will spot. And then so really you, you compensated for losing one player by, having two new players at, at new positions. Right. And, and so it's like anything else that's going to uh, take time. And somebody said short arms is a liability for backer, not anywhere near the liability it is for a tackle or a defensive end. You can get by at guard with shorter arms. You can get by at uh, um, interior offensive line defensive tackle, nose tackle, you can get by with shorter arms. I mean, you can't have uh, alligator arms, but, you know, you can get by. But defensive end, offensive tackle, you have to have long arms. You know, and it brings up a good point because people around here are going to be crying for the Bears to draft Skaronsky from Northwestern come spring. (laughs) He's probably going to be a guard. Because everybody who's been in there that I've talked to said he isn't going to be tall enough and his arms are going to be too short to play outside. 
but he's got that's not great- taken away from the kind of player he is. Sure. The guy's a, he's a great player, mm-hmm. but I and unless something magical happens between now and he, he, he can't go to an All Star game because he's a junior, <sighs> so he can't. So you're not going to get those measurements until the combine. And are there ever any exceptions for those All Star games uh, for juniors? Because they I, got uh, uh, I. I think if you're a fourth year player and you still have eligibility and you're going to graduate in December. Okay. Okay. And so, but that, that's about, it. I, I, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent. They keep changing the rules. I don't think a junior who's going to graduate in three years and uh, actually two and a half years, he'd have to graduate in December of his third year. I, he is not eligible to play in an all-star game. Now, the rules are are far outdated. Mm-hmm. You know when they, when they came into effect. You know th- there was twenty five or thirty underclassmen entering the draft. Then it went to thirty five. Well, now it's one hundred and twenty five. And I think you're you're penalizing those players from having that extra access to professional evaluators. You know, part of it's the interview process. What happens is that you got so many seniors at the various All-Star games that you knock out all the interviews with the seniors at the All-Star games, and then you're interviewing mostly underclassmen at the combine. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Uh, next question I got here is, <laughs> I got to tell you, um, I went to the game with Dan Aguirre and uh, a, a few other people, Bears Country Podcast is Mr. Shorty, and and um, Dan is is one of those guys who is the whiny <laughs> podcaster that the lady I've met doesn't want to listen to. Because Dan is saying, we got to fire Alan Williams. We got to – and I'm like, Dan, just calm down, calm down. But Mike uh, Henneman asked a question, what advice would you give to Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams? He likes to spot the other team four touchdowns to start the game. <laughs> yeah, before the Dallas game, defense was playing pretty damn good football. Yep. One of the best second-half uh, defenses in uh, in pro football. Okay. Now you, you took away their premier pass rusher, and I don't give a damn if he, if he only had one sack. He was getting pressures in. He was getting double-teamed all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it was a player that had to be accounted for by the offense just by his mere presence on the field. And then the following week, you take away a linebacker who was the leading tackler of the league, who, by the way, played pretty good last night after only having three days of practice with a Baltimore team in an entirely different scheme. And he only played part-time because he was new. The So you've got arguably your two best players in your front seven are gone. And, and, and it's not Alan Williams' fault. They don't have enough quality talent yet. Mm-hmm. Some of it may develop. They're young guys. Some of them may develop into quality guys, but they're not there yet. And when you take away two of the best, you know, everybody wanted some offense and everybody wanted draft choices. Well, they got you draft choices. And they got you one more offense, a big play offensive player. So you had to give up something to do that. Right. So you can't expect the defense to still play at that level. I tell you, right, 
if, if the, the Bears want to win, they're going to have to score 35 a game because they're giving up 28. Right. You know, and, and it's just the fact of life right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, we all have to realistically, I, I think even before you start thinking about the, the position coaches and grading them and the defensive coordinators, you've got to look at the talent level on this team. And you got to look at all of the dynamics surrounding this team. As Greg just mentioned, you, you trade away players, you're making all these changes. You still got guys learning the system. You've, you've basically, basically, you know, uh, gaffer tape, duct taped this defense together. And so for, Again, you know, to make these harsh judgments about firing people, uh, like my good buddy Dan Aguirre says, I think it's just totally out of line. you got to be patient on this. So um, here's the next question. Adeptus asks, Greg, how realistic is it for Ryan Poles to be able to dedicate maybe $40 million a year, average per year to the defensive line in 2023? There's got to be some resources put into the defensive line with over about approximately $120 million available right now in cap space. Do you see the team uh, dedicating about $40 million per year into this defensive line? You know, it, it, it's a good question. I don't know if I, uh, my quick answer would be, yes, you can do that. But you've got to be very careful when, when you're doing this. You're not just thinking, okay, I got, I, I've got all this money in my pocket. So I, I get to spend it all now. Well, don't forget, down the road, there's people that you want to extend on this team that you're going to have to pay. Biggest being the quarterback. Mm -hmm. What do you think? This is, you know, at the end of next year, if you want to extend Justin Fields, you can. You can't do it in the earliest you can do it is January of 2024. So. But if the arrow's still going up with him, what the hell do you think it's going to cost? And I'm going to tell you the contract you're going to look at because he doesn't have it yet, and that's Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and he's gambling on himself right now. So, but could you? Yeah, and it's and it's tricky. You say forty million average. Well. Yeah, you can use that, but it, it's you, you got to figure in voidable years. There's so many different ways they can write contracts. Um, you know, the one player I'm, I'm really like to say, I, there's three defensive linemen in free, that could be in free agency next year that I'd take any of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's Deron Payne from, from Washington. And Washington's already got a bunch of capital on their defensive line that they've spent. You know, they already paid Allen, and they have Young, who was the first pick in the draft a couple of years, that they're going to have to pay. So are they going to be able to put the tag on Deron Payne? You know, so make, make the answer simple. I'm going to say, yeah, you can do it. You got to do it wisely. You got to get good football players and under fair contracts. And that's the key. It's a fair contract that's good for the team and good for the player. And, and you can do it. I mean, 
my personal opinion is you've got to have three things taken care of and then fill in the rest, the quarterback, the offensive line, the defensive line. And yes, I'm old school, but you know what? You got those areas taken care of. You got a chance in every game. I, um, this question here is, is funny. Do we need robot refereeing? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> but I, I, let me, let me expand on this question because this is something that I've been harping on. You know, everyone in the nation who saw that game saw that it was pass interference on Chase Claypool because they saw the replay because they I mean, most people saw it real time. The announcers, both Kevin Harlan and uh, the color announcer whose name I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, Tra- 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 uh, yes, Trinky. They immediately called uh, the, uh, a penalty on that. But nonetheless. Everyone else, because of the benefit of the replay, knew absolutely that it was defensive pass interference. And yet the the people who are most responsible, who are responsible, only responsible for making that call, don't have the benefit of that replay. So how much should this replay be available to the officiating to improve the quality of officiating? You know, it's a great question, but I think, let's say you put it to the competition committee because the competition committee is the people that make these changes. Okay. Okay. What you're going to have is, okay, let's say they, they opened it up and say, you, you can challenge three calls or three non calls in the course of a game. Okay. Okay. You've just added six call, six more, timeouts, so to speak, to the length of a game, they aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, they, they're going to keep going back to when the game's over, the, the official, those officials are going to get graded just like the, um, like the players are evaluated. And how about this? And, and I'm sure you know this, but just in case you don't, when you get into the playoffs, the, the referee crews aren't the, you know, during the, they got crews that stay together throughout the whole season. Yes. You got all-star crews in the right. playoffs and it's all based on what they graded out during the year. And so if, if this guy who, who made the non-calls, he's going to get downgraded for those. Mm-hmm. Okay. So th- that could cost him a playoff game, which means, or a couple playoff games, which means that's a couple checks he's not getting. Yeah. Eric says that, you know, the six more timeouts while the NFL would get six more commercial breaks, and that means more money. But the time allocated for these games is also very, very important to the networks because they don't want to lap over into primetime television. So it's a little bit more complicated. Here's what would happen. You'd have to take a game time, you know, using Eastern time. You couldn't start a game, the second game, until 4.30. Eastern time. So it'll be 3.30 here. So there's your half hour. And now it's, you got to run till at least seven o'clock, which is just at the start of primetime TV on your second game. And that doesn't include Sunday night football. I just don't see them doing it. You know, and and I, I think more timeouts, and less football because of the timeouts is going to be a detriment to the game, not a help to the game. I agree. There's, you know what? There's always going to be mistakes. Right. Okay. Replay is, has helped 
fix some. You're never going to fix all. Um, but it, it's, it's the human element that I think you just, you, you got to have, you got to live with it. We can bitch all we want. Did it cost us a game? Maybe cost us a game. You can't say definitely because you yeah. don't know what would happen. Sure. But it, it, it like I, I, I tweeted on Sunday, it cost the Bears the opportunity mm-hmm. to have a chance to either tie or win the game. Homer Cut says, just cut out the national anthem. Come on, Homer. <laughs> Today's voting day. <laughs> I, I, I think we know where he's voting, right, Greg? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, more questions here from our great uh, folks over in the chat room. Uh, King Bookie Nation wants to know, have you uh, heard any word on who is going to take over Ted Phillips's job? No, I think they're in the, the uh, interview state. Mm-hmm. You know, going through interviews and, and they're not going to publicize. It's not like you, you, you're going to get a tweet from Bears Communications saying we interviewed uh, uh, Aldo Gandia for the president's job today. Um, he failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's they're not going to put it on. No, no one you're going to find out. So and so has taken has been hired by the Chicago Bears as president. There you go. Um, all right. Um, let me get back to a Bears question here. Oh, Eric has got a good one. He says, uh, yes, ask Greg why he hates punters and left Trenton Gill off his article on WCG about the rookie class. Yeah, that, no, I don't hate punters, and, and you're right. You know, what I said back – what did I say back in in August about him? Oh, you were you were uh, praising him very much. No, but I, there was one thing I said. That's taking three steps when he punts. He's a three-step punter. He's going to get one block. Somebody's uh-huh. going to figure it out. <laughs> yes, he's at, as he had He two. takes – you watch from where he catches the ball mm-hmm. to where he kicks the ball. Yep. I've been saying all along, somebody, they're going to see it, they're going to rush him, and they're going to get a block. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're very right. All right. Um, Robert Lee says uh, the Bears are the only losing team for Sunday that Monday night football had halftime highlights. So he's just praising the Bears there. Thank you very much for that, Robert. And then Chris Watts. You know, what's oh, funny. You know, what's funny is that, you know, I, I, I don't listen to sports talk radio that much anymore, but I had to run some errands yesterday afternoon. And so I, I'm in the car and I'm listening to, uh, Parkins and Spiegel. And, you know, usually those guys are always ripping everything. They were like the Bears won by 40 (laughs) because of one thing and one thing only. The quarterback played good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that um, I I know I listened to those guys when Justin Fields was first acquired and he he had his first games and they were very, very high on Justin. And then all of a sudden they started questioning Justin and now they're back on the bandwagon. So, well, I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't care if he doesn't like it. The guy who knows nothing about football is Danny Parkins. That is the most clueless MF I've ever seen. Knows nothing. I'll, I'll I'll send him that clip and see if he wants to come on the show and debate you or something like that. Oh. <laughs> uh, Chris Watts is asking, are we seeing the end of the reign of the Green Bay Packers? Yes, without ah! question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because I had a text conversation with a 
Green Bay journalist. Uh, this was, was it Sunday night or Monday night? I think it might have been, uh, no, Sunday night. Because uh, it was during the Sunday night game. And, and you know, I said, doesn't even look like he wants to be out there playing, meaning Aaron Rodgers. And it's looked like that for weeks. Yes, it has. And he said the same thing. And, you know, it started because we've talked about it, you know, weeks before. He refuses to take the blame himself. He passes it on to everybody else. The team has stunk. But you know what? They put themselves in, in that own situation because they gave the spoiled brat that huge contract. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they didn't have to do that. Yep. And they're saddled with them. Even if they cut, they're just, I, personally, I don't think he's going to be around after this year. He may have to be, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to be. I don't. I think he's checked out. I don't think he likes playing football anymore. I totally, totally agree with you. Uh, we saw signs of that over the last couple of seasons, but I really also think, uh, Greg, that this ayahuasca stuff that he's taken, I've done some research on that stuff. That can really, really change your body chemicals and your body chemistry. And so he may not have that competitive spirit because he's ingested these hallucinogenics into his body that, I mean, this is not what professional athletes should be putting into their bodies, especially somebody as his age. And with all of the challenges that he had, remember, he didn't show up for OTAs. So he didn't have, he did, he chose not to build a relationship with the players he was throwing under the bus a week ago. This guy is an embarrassment to the, to the Green Bay uh, uh, myth, an embarrassment to the fans. We're even seeing idiots like Peter Bukowski, uh, the uh, podcaster who's always talking crap about Chicago Bears fans. We're even seeing guys like that turn against uh, Aaron Rodgers. And so- oh, I got to tell you something about Peter. Peter, because I know Peter. Okay. And he's, and he's not a bad guy in, in real life. But he loves tormenting Bears fans. Oh, my goodness. Because he knows they get pissed <laughs> off. But in reality, you talk to him a lot. He's really a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but he... Like I say, he he knows he can get away with it. He knows he can catch your ire. So why not? He do you know what? I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's for fun. It's not Absolutely. none of it's none of it's serious. It's 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 just for fun. But um, and and, and where where you were going with with um, Rogers on the drugs? I you know I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent for him. All I know is that, and I said to this this guy that's having the text conversation, mm-hmm. I said, where I first noticed it and never noticed it before was back in June. He was in the match mm-hmm. with Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. He was like out in left field compared to the other three. Yes. You know, he was being non-communicative. Yeah, he sunk the putt to win the match. Big freaking deal. Yeah. But, you know, he, he he just was like distancing himself and seemed sort of sullen during the whole 12-hole match versus, you know, that, that quarterback camaraderie, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I noticed that. I goes, just something's off. Then, he, you know, he usually plays in that tournament 
out in uh, Reno. Yes. That okay. Didn't didn't go this year. Hmm. You know, so it's like he's an entirely different person than he was even a year ago. Um, I had a question here that I accidentally lost, and I wanted to. I'm scrolling to see if I can find it, but let me let me paraphrase it. And I apologize for the person who wrote it. They asked. Uh, I got. I got to admit that this thought ran through my head too when we were talking about um, uh, Ballard at the beginning of the show. So, if the Colts choose to start rebuilding and and uh, move some assets, you know, to get acquire higher draft picks and more draft picks and so forth, is there one particular player on that Colts think, team that you think that right now? Yeah, he would be an ideal person for the Bears to acquire either via free agency or trade or something like that. Does anybody come to mind? Well, the ideal guy would be the the three, Buckner. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay, but and he's still got two years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you'd have to dig up his contract. I don't think after this year, the way the guarantees were paid out, there's no more guarantees. So you're just picking up the salary and not. So they could actually, you know, pick up the cap space, not get a cap hit Mm -hmm. for getting him. But in saying that he he's the glue, he and the linebacker are the glue. The the linebacker has been hurt. I think he's played one, one or two games all year. If that Shaquille, those two guys are the glue of the defense. And, and unless you want to do what, what Ryan Poles did and totally gut the team. Right. And I, I can't see. Erskine. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say it's impossible that he won't do it, but I, I can't see him doing it. Uh, Buckner's going to be making, I think 18 million next year mm-hmm. for the tight. He's 28 years old for that player. Mm-hmm. That ain't all bad. Mm-hmm. So why, why would you let him go? See, here's here's the thing, and I, I, I said this yesterday because people started right after Wright got fired. Oh, fire sale in Indianapolis. Buckner's going to be available. I go, yeah, just like there was a fire sale in, in Indianapolis or in Carolina, DJ Moore was going to be available. That's right. <laughs> you know, Carolina got rid of two players. One was a malcontent, mm-hmm. Anderson, the receiver. You know, total a-hole. The other guy was a running back who is, for all intents and purposes, he's, he's overpaid and he's always hurt. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, and we got a tradable asset. We got a guy that we can get a lot back for mm-hmm. because of his talent level, but we don't see him in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, where DJ Moore was just extended. If it wasn't this past spring, it was the spring before. And so they weren't getting rid of him. Mm. You know, th- th- you got to look at these things, you know, People look at these things that they don't think at the circumstances and you got to look at the contract, you know, and, and you know, who did the extension, mm. those types of things. And, and, you know, I think Scott Fitterer was the guy who did the extension with DJ Moore. Well, he's still the GM there. It's uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, let me try to squeeze two more in here before we get you out of here and run your errands. Uh, Pepe Silva, Silvia, Asked, what's Greg's opinion on Will Anderson from Bama, and how does he stack up to some of the elite pass rushers we've seen in the league right now? Yeah, a- Anderson is arguably the best edge in this year's draft. If he if he comes out, he's pretty darn good. He's a little bit undersized. 
they got him listed, I think, at 245. He might be bigger than that. And he's he's going to be a very good pass rusher in this league. Um, I think unless the Bears are – some people got him as the number one player, but there's some decent quarterbacks in this class, and quarterbacks have a way of finding their way to the top because the teams that need them are going to find a way to get them, to make sure they get them. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm going to say you're going to have to have a top five pick mm-hmm. to even have a remote chance. And then, and that's probably too low. And that's includes two quarterbacks that or two players, him and Carter from Georgia, the defensive tackle. And Carter has not played that much this year, but he played uh, the other day against Tennessee and just dominated, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, but those those are probably the 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 two best defensive linemen in this draft. They're pretty good, you know. Bracy from Clemson, he's missed time because his his younger sister died from cancer. Uh, I don't know if he's a, a a real good fit for this scheme. Could he play the the nose or the one technique? Yeah, that without. Question. I'm not sure if he's a guy that you could slide over into the three. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta be disruptive. You gotta find the right guy. That's why I say there's three guys. There's Payne. There's a kid from um, Hargrove from from the Eagles. But the only problem with Hargrove from the Eagles is that he's going to be 30 years old next year. So how much do you want to pay him? And he's already making a ton of money. And then there's the guy, and I can't think of his name offhand right now for Denver. Who's okay. coming out of contract? Who is a Ohio State kid and and um, you know a perfect three technique type player? Those are you know you get any one of those three, and all three of them could be franchised. But uh, we're not going to know that until you know February or March. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. I I think I got one more. Uh, oh yeah, Sam Rush wanted to know about Chase Claypool. He says Getsy was the wide receiver coach that helped develop Devontae Adams into a top five wide receiver. I don't know if that's quite true because Getsy was basically uh, with the quarterbacks coach. Uh, uh, so yeah, he was. He started off as a wide receiver coach there. Oh, I did not know that. My apologies. He sir. was a wide receiver coach. Then he went to Mississippi State as the offensive coordinator. Okay. Then he came back from Mississippi State as the uh, quarterback coach. He was only at Mississippi State one year. Yeah. So what, what do you think about uh, Claypool being developed uh, by Getze? And what do you think uh, Claypool's ceiling is? Oh, I think his, his ceiling is Pro Bowl level. Oh. You know, I mean, I love this guy – going back, you know, to college, uh, very raw. I mean, he's, he's from up in that Vancouver, uh, British Columbia area, played Canadian high school football. So, and it, it took him a couple of years to get going. He's at Notre Dame four years. He played a lot on special teams and a little bit in the offense his first two years and really took off his last two years. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the, the athletic numbers, he's got a 40-inch vertical jump at 238 pounds. He ran 4.42. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's just extremely fluid and athletic. He's strong. Uh, I, I tweeted this last week. The Bears might have the strongest 
weight room strength wise. I saw that, yeah. Core in, in the league. Mm-hmm. When you look, you know, Harry did 27 reps. Shit, there's linemen in the league that don't do 27 reps coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, Claypool did 19. Uh, EQ did 20. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and Pringle, I think, did 15. I love those guys. Those most guys. most of them are like, you know, um, Mooney did 11, 12, you know, 13, something like that. You know, I mean, they're strong for their size, they're little guys, but they're not, you know, those other guys, EQ, Claypool, you know, those are like linebacker and lineman numbers. Greg, before um, we started the show, you uh, said that the Bears were going to win Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Put it on yep. record here. Put it on videotape so that I can share it with the world. Why are the Bears going to beat the Lions? They're a better football team. Plain and simple. Enough said. <laughs> I, you know, the, yeah, they, they, they won in the Dome against Green Bay. Green Bay, is uh, they're going down the tubes. Yeah, it seems that way. You know, people at Detroit beat Green Bay, that tells you how bad Green Bay is. And Green Bay lost their best pass rusher in the game. Gary's out for the year now. He is. So let's look at this schedule. Week 10, Lions. Week 11, Falcons. Week 12, Jets. And week 13, Packers before that bye. So of those four games, I would think a 3-1 and record would be – Is the Jets game – in New York, it is in New York along with yeah, the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, yeah, that that's they just beat Buffalo, but I mean Buffalo just had, had an off day. They're they're playing pretty good, and and no, it's going to be interesting. You got the number two and number three quarterbacks. No, the number two and the number four quarterbacks taken in in that draft two years ago, and so it it it's going to be fun. You know, fields. I'm throwing a dart at the wall there, but Fields may have a little chip on his shoulder on that one. I should have gone too. <laughs> yes, I, I I think it's in his mind. Uh, you know, he there there he, his press conference after Sunday's game was so special. I mean, he sat there with this kind of sense of satisfaction, like. I knew it was coming, guys. You know, you guys were doubting me. You guys were questioning the coaches about, you know, my progress. And perhaps I'm reading too much into it, but it was great to see uh, him being vindicated and getting. Well, it's going to continue to get better. Uh, Part of it's going to be Claypool and Harry are going to be integrated more into the offense. So you've got more weapons from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um. Hopefully, Velas will become a, a part of that and just the speed factor alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the running game's already strong. Right. And I, I got I to give one guy some props because the last two weeks he's played pretty good. The guy has been getting buried more than anybody else on this team. That and that's Mustafer. Yay, my man Sam. I, I pull for this guy. You know, he's meant, you know, Flew said it like last week. He goes, there's nobody tougher. And, I mean, this guy was dead and buried, according to the fans, three weeks ago. They're so happy that that, uh, the other guy's going in and played the center position. Patrick's gone in and played the center position. He gets hurt after a quarter. 
Mustafer's got to go back in. And then the next two weeks against Dallas and um, last week against Miami, you know what? It's probably the best two games he's played as a bear. He's played a lot better. Now, is he the answer? No. I'm just saying that, you know, he's mentally tough. And you got to give him credit for that. Indeed. Perfect way to end the show with compliments to my man, Sam Mustafer. <laughs> I always love these Chicago Bears players who get picked on by fans. I, 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 I think, you know, sometimes the criticism is deserved. But... You know what? I, I, I got to say this. Please. Because, you know, my, my good friend's going through it down in Indy now. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Fans think these people are fair game. But you know what? And, and they are because of the position they're in. But at the same time, they're human beings and they got feelings and they got families. Okay. So Sam may have a girlfriend. I don't even know if he's married. Maybe he's got a wife. Maybe he's got some kids. You know, Chris has got five kids. He's got a wife. Okay. So your kids, now his son's a pretty damn good quarterback. He's a senior in high school. And, and being recruited, he's got to go into school every day and listen to that shit. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, you know, when these people mouth off and they scream and holler and they say, well, that's their right. And that is. They can, they can say what they want. But just remember, you never have to, meaning they, never have to face that kind of public scrutiny. Yet they're free to give it to these people and they don't think about who else it affects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The woman that I referenced at the uh, top of the show who gave us uh, props uh, because we don't whine around here. I think that is another reason why she loves this podcast, uh, Greg, because of what you just said. You keep an eye on the human element of this. And by the way, I want to apologize to that lady because she I asked her her name. But with my awful memory, I don't recall it and I don't want to. You're younger than me and I'm supposed to be getting seen now and you are. See, I mean, what the <laughs> I smoked a lot of marijuana in my teens, <laughs> Greg. I think that affected my memory. I think that. Well, wait a minute. If that's the case, then it should still be illegal. <laughs> I mean, we can have. We, we, we got if, if 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 it's because they're saying there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, well, that's why it's legalized. So you know, and if you're saying that, then maybe they made a mistake. Ravi may be the most foremost expert on uh, uh, memory loss in marijuana, and he says, same here. He's, he's, he forgets to do his homework sometimes. Because of that. <laughs> All right, Greg. Again, uh, absolutely great show. It is so good. Uh, by the way, you and I are planning a Monday show next week uh, because you've got Hopefully, the Thursday, yep. and so it'll be exciting to talk about the pounding the Bears are going to give the Detroit Lions next week with you, and uh, – so we'll be in touch throughout the week, brother. Okay, buddy. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Later. See you later.